You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. So... Later in the show, we're going to talk to bisexuals and about bisexuals and we're going to have a bisexual guest expert because I can't be trusted to talk about that issue. On my own, people get upset. So we uh, brought in someone uh, who I'm not going to name now, but he's a kind of a big deal and a bright light in the bi community. So to compensate for the fact that some bisexuals are going to feel not so upbeat about some of the shit that our guest and my guest and I uh, bat around today, I want to open the show Beating up gay people. Beating up my own kind. So last night, uh, I went to dinner a few blocks from my house. So we just walked down to uh, this sort of business shopping district near my house. And we cut through this big park near my house called Volunteer Park during the day. And it was gorgeous. But when we're coming back, it's night. Uh, and it's pitch black. And we took the same path going home that we took going to dinner, which is just through the backside of the park and through some of these like trees and grasses and fields. It's very beautiful. And we're walking, three gay dudes, uh, me and Terry and a buddy, and we are walking through this park sort of having this animated conversation argument at the top of our lungs. Terry and I were awake and we were talking to each other. Ergo, we were arguing and we're walking through the park and suddenly there are other people around and there's one person who the silhouette kind of looks like a friend of mine who's a, a woman, a dyke. And I went, Tracy? And they're like walking towards us. And I was like, Tracy? And the person went, no. And then we realized we'd stumbled into the sex part of the park. We realized that there were kind of guys milling about everywhere, under trees, in bushes. We live close to this park. We are – faggots of the first order and we felt really uncomfortable being suddenly surrounded by dick hunters and we felt sort of a little icky. The The assumption of course was that we were there also to have sex and the gay sex zombies were stumbling toward us instead of going brains. They were going dick is kind of how it felt because they were just kind of Walking toward us very slowly, like milling toward us, stumbling dick zombies. And by the time we got out of the park, we were so sort of embarrassed. And I know this is going to piss off the like gay sex radicals with the fist in the air. You know, the most radical thing you can do is stuff a million strangers' dicks in your mouth and you win the gay revolution. But, and, and, you know, it's going to piss off these people when I say this because I'm not supposed to think this way. But I just thought... What if we were straight people who were cut, lived near the park and we were cutting through and then we were suddenly surrounded by dick zombies who were stumbling toward us looking for dicks? You know, I, I don't think that all gay people are responsible for the behaviors of all gay people. Uh, I, I don't think that sort of collective responsibility works. We certainly don't look at straight people and say, Jesus, you guys got to do something about that Scott Peterson or Newt Gingrich. Like all straight people responsible for Newt Gingrich. But I did sort of feel like, God, I hope my neighbors don't stumble over this and then think, ah, the fags. No wonder Dan and Terry moved to the neighborhood. They're probably out there in the middle of the night stumbling around looking for dick. Gay guys, you know, 
I feel you. I really do. Um, there are. I've never been the suck a dick in the dark attached to a person I can't see type. Um, I have. I, I contracted early uh, in my life. Uh, Cooties, which is like herpes. It's forever. I sort of have this sense of cooties. I can't share a can of Coke with my sister. I'm not going to pop a dick into my mouth attached to a guy I can't see and I know nothing about. I understand, though, that some gay guys like that scene. They like the, like, dirty sort of fun uh, naughtiness of it all. And there's certainly a lot of straight-identified guys in the park sucking dick in the dark. But I just – I just feel in the bottom of my heart that you know public sex environments, public parks, they should exist. Uh, I like what the Netherlands has done. The Netherlands has actually acknowledged that there are some public parks uh, and so has uh, Denmark. Some public parks where gay men go for sex and rather than police them, they uh, – to, to bust the gay guys in there and the straight identified cocksuckers and the bi guys, they warn people uh, that they send the police in to protect the cruisers just to like make sure there's not any gay bashings going on. So I'm down with that. What I'm not kind of down with is a park – maybe it's just nimbyism so close to my house. But a park so close to so many people who probably you know, might cut through it for the same reasons we are, who are not gay, who don't want to be surrounded suddenly by dick zombies at 9 o'clock at night. I'm not talking 3 o'clock in the morning. 9 o'clock at night. What if we'd been with, instead of a buddy, a friend, a gay guy our own age, our son? You know, we actually have straight friends who live on our block who went to a different public park in Seattle where cruising happens and their little kids who we know who are really good friends of her, all their little boys, they have three sons, their little boys saw two dudes sucking each other off in the bushes and their parents tried to explain that this is a public sex environment and people who are really, you know, some, perhaps some people think it's fun but some people driven by shame have sex there with people they don't know because they don't have the kind of life where they can be openly gay and one of their kids asked our good friends, is that how Dan met Terry? <laughs> you know, and we met at a bar. We had a one night stand. It wasn't, you know, like our parents set us up or anything. There was a little bit of naughtiness involved, but it just we didn't want to be lumped in with the like dick zombies in the park. So a message to my fellow gay men who are in the park and straight identified closet cases in the bye guys. Can you keep it to after midnight at least if you're gonna colonize the park? And, you know, three people who are walking side by side speaking loudly are clearly not there to stumble around like dick zombies looking for dick. They're just cutting through. Instead of stumbling toward us like dick zombies, maybe you could have just like given us a little space. That's all I'm saying. Your call's after this. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free 14-day trial, go to Squarespace.com, and for 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, use offer code SAVAGE4. Are you feeling frisky? Want to take your sex life to the next level? Check out our friends at exandria.com. The Exandria Collection has the hottest sex toys and adult movies at unbeatable prices. Enter code SAVAGE, S-A-V-A-G-E, right now and get 20% off your entire order. Do it now at exandria.com. That's X-A-N-D-R-I-A dot com. Hi, Dan. So my friends and I are having a discussion and we have reached an impasse. We would love your input um, and your deciding vote. Here's the situation. On a recent trip to Paris, I went down on my boyfriend on the plane 
gave him a blowjob on the plane. And I think that this constitutes as entrance to the Mile High Club. Some agree with me, some disagree and say that penetration is needed in order to be part of the Mile High Club. Those that agree say that oral sex is a form of sex and therefore um, is sex. And so we would love your final say. You will be the deciding vote. For the millionth time, and I suspect not the last time, oral sex is sex. Sex is oral sex's last name. When someone says Obama, you might not think Michelle, but Michelle Obama is an Obama, even if she's not the Obama that leaps to mind when someone says Obama. When someone says sex, you think fucking, but sex could be something else. Sex could be Michelle. It could be oral. Um, you know, when your friends told you that the blowjob you gave on that airplane didn't count uh, because penetration is required to join the Mile High Club, I'd like to see these penetration-free blowjobs your friends are giving. There is penetration involved in uh, oral sex if you're blowing a dude. You're putting a dick in your mouth. It is, it is an orifice that is being penetrated. So – you're in. You are in the club. You performed a sex act on an airplane. I'd like to know where you performed this sex act on the airplane exactly because it's hard to picture the airplane toilet that's big enough for two people to even get inside and, and, and stand up face to face and fuck, let alone two people to get inside and one of them to somehow kneel uh, in that tiny little space and give a blowjob. Not that anyone – I'm a germ-phobe. Not that anyone should kneel in an airplane bathroom. Uh, I don't even – I get out of the airplane bathroom and I rub my shoes on the floor as I walk back to my seat because I'm so disgusted. Uh, but yeah, you're in. Uh, your friends are wrong. Uh, you had sex on an airplane. You had oral sex on an airplane and oral sex is sex. Rule of thumb, if it's blank sex – it's sex. Oral sex is sex. Anal sex is sex. It gets to be, you know, a little gray when you get to cyber sex or phone sex. Is that sex? A lot of people uh, don't feel that it is. I feel that it isn't, uh, but definitely oral, anal, vaginal, that's sex. You have sex on that airplane, you are in the club. Hi, Dan. Um, I am a 25 straight female. And I'm dating a 25-year-old male. Um, I kind of want a monogamish relationship. I basically want the freedom to fuck someone like once or twice a year that's not my boyfriend. And not end the, the relationship or I won't be in trouble or anything like that. I just want to be able to do it and it'd be okay. Um, but my boyfriend is not into that. And he really, really does not like the idea of me having sex with anyone else, even another female. Doesn't even like the idea of me making out with someone. I'm not even allowed to make out with another female. I think that's weird and sad and confining. And um, about, like, once a month, I get really, really depressed about these rules that I have, and they've been getting more and more intense recently, and I'm... Um, the last time I cried for like a couple hours because I felt so confined and alienated because he couldn't understand how I felt. I felt like I was crazy or something because he didn't even understand why I'd want to do this. I was wondering if I should break up with him or if I should stay in a relationship 
because this is only the only thing that's wrong with it. The rest is everything else is perfect. I mean, he's um, we agree on everything on on how to spend money. We have the same standards on cleanliness. Um, uh, we have the same standard religion. We both atheists. We have the same ideas on politics. Everything and the relationship is so easy. We can talk so well and everything. It's just this one small thing. Um, and sex with him is great. Like he's the best boyfriend I've ever had and the most fun in bed. He likes toys. He likes everything that I want to do. He's the same kinks that I, I'm into everything. It's just this one thing. He thinks that I should only be with him and that's it. He's never been to a strip club. I don't know. Anyways, I wanted your advice on whether I should break up with them or not. I have one friend that said I definitely should and one friend that said I definitely shouldn't. And she's really jealous of how wonderful a relationship is. And she doesn't think I should break up with them. So I wanted your advice. Will it work or will it not? Everything's perfect except for this one small thing that in reality isn't that small a thing. You're so compatible when it comes to cleanliness and how you spend your money and every other goddamn thing. You're just not that compatible when it comes to sex, what you want sexually. Uh, and you have to make a choice here. He's, he's laid down his cards. You can have him if you're willing to be monogamous or you can end this relationship. Uh, if he's worth making that sacrifice for, if he is worth paying that price of admission – Pay the price of admission, grieve for all the girls you're not going to kiss on in bars, for all the other dudes you're not going to fuck once or twice a year because being with him means being monogamous. Uh, if he's worth it, make a monogamous commitment. Do your level best to stick to it. Have one last sob and move on. If you can't get over it, if you value you know, the idea of a monogamish relationship uh, or the goal of being in a successful monogamish relationship more than you value him, then end this relationship. And if being with him and being monogamous makes you miserable, then maybe you shouldn't be with him, other things being equal and spooky, wonderful, compatible. You've got a choice to make. You can have him and monogamy or you can have – a boyfriend to be named later who may not be as awesome as this one and the monogamishimi that you'd prefer. Tough spot. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. Squarespace has social media buttons to connect your website visitors to your networks on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google+. They have Google Maps and website tracking, so you know how many times your site is viewed, and a built-in search engine optimizer. You don't have to think about anything. You just go in there and build your site. For a free 14-day trial, go to squarespace.com. Sign up for a free account. No credit card needed. Just try it out and start building your website. For 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, use offer code SAVAGE4. That's squarespace.com and use offer code SAVAGE4. Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm 25 and I live in the Northeast U.S. I've been with my boyfriend for a few years now, going on three, and we've always kind of been on again, off again, but we do talk about getting married and stuff like that, and I'm pretty sure that I probably won't be with him for the rest of my life and everything because I'm not comfortable with anyone else like the way I am with him. It's just it's great in so many ways. 
But the thing is, though, uh, sometimes I kind of get bored of our sex, and we have dumb little fights, and I don't know why I get bored of it. So anyway, when we get into uh, these these dumb fights or arguments, we'll break out for like three days or four days or something. And in these three or four days, both of us <laughs> will usually go and hook up with someone else, like usually me or sometimes him or sometimes both of us. <clears throat> and I get extremely jealous if he does, which <laughs> makes us get back together even though we'd probably get back together regardless. So when we get back together after our fight, we have the most amazing sex ever. And I'm like super turned on and super attracted to him. Like I'm just meeting him for the first time ever. And we fall in love all over again for like six months until something dumb happens again. So my question is, am I subconsciously, funneling my jealousy of him getting with another dude that's not me into sexual attraction and is it a bad thing? And if not, I'm thinking maybe I can incorporate this into our relationship in a positive, safe way where he does get with other dudes and it actually helps the relationship. <laughs> is this totally dysfunctional? You're on the verge of a breakthrough. Uh, here's what you guys have been doing. Um, you love each other and you want you know, not only to be together and be good to each other, you want to appear to be good people to folks outside your relationship. Uh, you also want – your dicks want some variety and some adventure. And what the culture has pounded into your heads is the only way to have – you know, once you're in a committed relationship and there's love there, the only way you will ever experience – variety ever again, newness, or have a sexual adventure ever again, is if you get the fuck out of that relationship. And subconsciously or consciously, what you both do is you engineer a breakup. You sabotage your relationship so that you can fly off single, fuck some other guys without being the kind of bad people who are not monogamous or who cheat. Uh, and then once you get your you know desire for a little strange satisfied, you're back in each other's arms. Uh, and you've, you're experiencing once you get back together something that a lot of people who are in open relationships, a lot of people in the swinging community, uh, cuckold fetishes talk about is that the fact that your partner's been with somebody else is somehow highly arousing. And there's even a term for what scientists think may be going on, which is sperm competition syndrome. Your reptile brain knows that your partner has fucked someone else and your reptile brain is thinking must flood out that other person's semen. By fucking the shit out of my partner. Uh, people who suspect or know that their partners have been with others uh, have larger loads, blow larger loads, have ejaculations with greater volume. Uh, there's something going on. And there's, there's a terrific book called The Lifestyle, which is about swinging. Uh, and the author theorizes that what swingers are doing, what male swingers are doing and cuckold fetishes are doing is they've learned to manipulate that sperm competition syndrome uh, for pleasure and to enjoy it and to enjoy the ride without having to pretend that they're jealous and angry and all this shit. They still get the high of that sperm competition syndrome induced uh, megalod blown orgasm without you know the bullshit and the drama and the fake breakup and everything else that you two are still sort of wallowing in right now. So what I think you need to do is – you know, eroticize what, you, what you've been doing in a positive way. Uh, you guys love each other. There's something there. Uh, you're not capable of being 100% monogamous. Uh, and you like the, the, a bit of the drama 
of the being cheated on and having your nose rubbed into it and the awareness of it. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of gay cuckold fetishists. It's kind of a straight thing as I've written about because it taps into a lot of like patriarchal nonsense and about controlling women and fertility and uh, paternal uh, anxiety that men may have. Um, but there are gay guys out there who uh, will – who describe themselves as cucks, as cuckold fetishes too, that their partners, quote unquote, cheat on them under very controlled and mutually agreed to circumstances that still elicit this kind of panicky desire to get with their partner again uh, and fuck the shit out of their partner again and reclaim their partner. All of this stuff that you guys are doing right now that's larded with bullshit and drama and breakups and you know cr- smashed crockery and angry words, you can have all of – that passion and, and hot sex and variety in your life without the breakup and the drama and the bullshit. You just have to give each other permission to every once in a while get out there and do it. And I think, you know, when, uh, particularly gay male couples, sometimes saying, okay, we're in an open relationship. Uh, for gay male couples who mostly want to be in a closed relationship or who would prefer to think of themselves as monogamous or be perceived as monogamous, declaring a gay relationship open can seem more threatening because it's so easy for gay guys to get laid because you can just jump on Grinder and you can have 10 dudes in your apartment that day. Uh, so I think you know for you guys to establish a control where uh, it's not open and you can fuck anybody else anytime you want, uh, that you guys are together and the relationship is – primarily closed and then when you guys get to that point where you start having that flight fight thing that begins to happen you know where in the past you sabotaged your relationship so you could go out there and fuck somebody else you just when you get when you start to feel that anxiety building that desire building you guys just have a frank conversation where you say i gotta do it i gotta get out of here i gotta go fuck somebody else and that can be a fun sexy tense conversation uh, where one of you can just lay down the law and then go do it and then come home and then all that passion, you know, that, that awesome after you've been quote unquote cheated on sex, then you, re, then, you know, you can close the relationship again. You know you can close the relationship again because that's what you guys have been doing already over and over and over. So monogamish works for you too. Go do it. You guys are just on the verge. You just have to think differently uh, about what you're doing and find a positive way to do ex- everything you're doing right now. Everything. The exact pattern. Everything you've done right now, just no breakups and no bullshit and no dramas and no screaming and yelling. Just fun and adventure and pleasure and jealousy and infidelity that you've managed to harness uh, in a way that it makes your sexual connection uh, to your partner, yours to each other, stronger and hotter uh, and more long-lasting. Good luck, you guys. Are you ready for some mind-blowing sex? Then check out our friends at exandria.com. The Exandria Collection has the hottest sex toys for men and women at unbeatable low prices. They've been putting smiles on faces for more than 35 years, and everything they sell comes with a 100% satisfaction guarantee and is delivered with absolute discretion. Whether you're single, in a relationship, or just bored, they'll put a zip in your step. Guaranteed. Don't settle for ordinary, experienced, truly orgasmic sex. Shop now and save 20% off your entire order. Just enter code SAVAGE during checkout. Start shopping now at exandria.com. That's X-A-N-D-R-I-A dot com. Hi, Dan. This is a 34-year-old married male from California. I'm moving across the country, and we're going to be staying with my sister-in-law for several months, my wife and I. I was wondering, could you comment on what is the etiquette if you are 
in the same house of somebody to whom you are a guest, how often and, I guess, how loudly can you have sex? I mean, I don't expect going four months or five months uh, completely celibate, uh, but I also understand the respecting of boundaries. Great to hear your input. You're a guest. You got to keep it down. Uh, you've got to find times when uh, your sister-in-law and her husband aren't at home, uh, and then you can fuck as loudly as you like. And when they are at home and it's the middle of the night and you two want to fuck, you're just going to have to be kids about it and suppress the screaming and yelling and thrashing and throwing around. You're going to have to learn to enjoy that imposed limitation. You can regard that as something exciting, this new uh, – Super quiet way. You've got to do it sneaking around, being surreptitious, trying to keep it on the down low in your sister-in-law's house. Uh, I know that if I had house guests, I would expect them to be fucking. Uh, I would also be super annoyed if they were constantly fucking in a way that woke everyone else in the house up. That would be assholery. So keep it down um, and enjoy it. Instead of thinking of this as some like horrible burden you have to bear, think of it as a very special and sexy challenge that you guys are going to rise to. So – I'm allergic to latex, which is usually not an issue when I'm having sex. But, like, if I go to a guy's place and I don't remember bringing condoms with me, they're usually latex, what he has. And I don't know how to, like, <laughs> kind of, like, gently bring it up without being, like, weird. Props to the guys who are picking you up who have condoms uh, and are taking some responsibility for protection, for your protection. Most people who lay in condoms lay in latex condoms because those are most of the condoms out there and very few people actually have latex sensitivities. You are one of those people who has a latex sensitivity. So you need to take responsibility, which means you can purchase some polyurethane condoms or some female condoms, which are made also of polyurethane, uh, which work really well for people who have latex sensitivities. Uh, another perk of a polyurethane condom is that you can use uh, greasy lubes with them. Uh, lubes you can't use with latex, you can use with polyurethane. Uh, but you just need to throw a couple in your uh, purse and forget they're there and always have them on you. And uh, if a guy busts out the latex condoms, thank him for being thoughtful and considerate, but laying those in in advance and then bust out some of your own. Hi, Dan. Lesbian, early 30s. Um, I have a question for you about how to get over some biphobia. Um, I have been out since I was a teenager. I have dated bisexual women in the past, and it's always ended um, pretty badly um, in that I find out the person is cheating on me with a man. I find out that the person was just sort of fooling around in a year-long relationship and then start dating men exclusively. Now, I don't think I'm a converter. <laughs> like, I'm a, a counter-converter in that, like, women date me and then all of a sudden want to go back to men. Um, I've had successful relationships. It's just that whenever I've been with a bisexual woman, it's ended badly. Um, and it's ended in a way that I found corn kind of hurtful. And as a result, I find myself... I mean, right now I'm in a relationship with a gay woman, but... I find myself very wary of bisexual people. I find myself wary when bisexual women, um, you know, are dating friends of mine. And I'm like, well, chances are that person's free. And that's horrible. I don't want to be a huge asshole. Help me not be a huge asshole. I want to be accepting and loving and embracing. Um, it's just that when I'm around bisexual women, that, like, anger kicks in. And I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Help me, Dan. You know, I've been accused of being biphobic a few hundred thousand times in the last uh, couple of decades. 
So I thought maybe to answer your question and a few other questions that we've got backed up on the whole buy issue that I needed a buy co-pilot to fly with me today. Neil Bolton, <laughs> former editor of Genre Magazine, recently featured in Out Magazine's Love Issue, founder and editor of the new Pansexual Sex and Relationships magazine, BastardLife.com. He's bi, he's been out since 1985, and the New York Post's page six recently called Neil Publishing's Bisexual Bad Boy, and he joins me by phone. Hey, Neil. Hello there. How you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. I, a- I love being a, I love being a, a bi a co-pilot. I really <laughs> like that, uh, that, that moniker. It's great. Well, uh, I hope you're uh, ready to hold my hand and help me through these, these calls. I wouldn't want to put a foot wrong and then wind up glittered again. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I am here to assist. <laughs> Although I, I kind of feel like throwing glitter at gay guys is like throwing sprinkles at cupcakes. Yeah. It yeah, seems like a, a lot of wasted effort. Um, <laughs> so this caller, wary of bisexuals, lesbian woman, early 30s, with a gay woman uh, partner now, uh, earlier, clearly she wasn't biphobic. She dated and had long-term relationships with women who were bi. And in her experience, uh, and experience is subjective, uh, and uh, as they say, um, anecdotes ain't data, but in her experience, every woman she was with who was bi wound up leaving her uh, for a man and returning to I mean, opposite-sex relationships, if not, in some cases, uh, heterosexual identity. So how does she combat this? You know, I think when entering a bisexual relationship, I think, you know, there is an added layer of risk. And I know that I may find myself in the same trouble you've been in, Dan. But I, <laughs> I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you what I, what I really feel about this, and that is that, you know, in heterosexual and homosexual relationships, there is, you know, a, a, an enormous amount of adultery. There's an enormous amount of infidelity. And I think... Um, the options for that in a bisexual relationship, uh, just mathematically, are, uh, are are sort of doubled in a sense. I mean, I I sort of I think now, that, you know the options. No, wait, are wait, doubling. wait. Let's stop. Let's stop right there. If I sure. were to suggest in a savage love that someone who's bisexual is even one single tiny drop less capable of monogamy than someone who is not, there would be protesters under my window. Well, uh, you know, I, I actually think, and this is something that I celebrate. I mean, I, I, I think that there would be plenty of folks in my, uh, in this bisexual, pansexual circles that, that I'm writing to on BastardLife.com that would, that would actually really agree with me. And that is that uh, I'm not saying it's riskier. Your, your, your heart isn't more at risk being with a bisexual person. Um, however, the, um, the opportunities that bisexual folks have really are twice the opportunities that a heterosexual or a homosexual person has. That's just a fact. So, I mean, I think this is just something that has to be reckoned with when entering into a relationship with a bisexual person. I sort of feel like enter at your own risk. Okay, so um, you're, you, you would say that this woman's feelings of, of wariness uh, are legitimate to some extent. When uh, you're uh, entering into a relationship with a bisexual person, you just have to face the fact that uh, the, the, there really are twice the number of options uh, for us, and, and that doesn't make us... And, and I think the second part of my answer is, I think what my advice would be to, to her would be that, you know, whether you're dating a bisexual person or um, a gay person, uh, I think it's wise to, to be leery of 
of, of, of everyone in the sense that you must set your boundary down. Monogamy is your priority. Monogamy is what you demand out of a relationship. And so whomever you enter into a relationship with, uh, that needs to be, you know, the mandate. And that's completely okay, of course. I just think that uh, if you're entering into a relationship with a bisexual person, um, it's just wise to be aware that the options are a little bit uh, greater. Protect your heart. Make it very okay. clear. Very... Okay, I just want to pin you down on this. Are uh, people who are bisexual capable, and I'm not asking this because, uh, to, you know, to be biphobic, I'm just, sure. I want to hear what you have to say. This, this is yeah. a question I get asked all the time. Are people who are bisexual capable of being with one partner of either gender happily in a monogamous relationship for decades? Or is someone who's bisexual going to need some of what they're not getting at home every once in a while? I believe, from my own experience, and from the experience of my readers, and I, I believe that the, the great reality of bisexual life is that uh, monogamy, while it is possible, it is very possible. I've been monogamous before uh, and perfectly happy. However, I believe that the great advantage of being bisexual is that monogamy isn't really the virtue. It isn't a virtue. It isn't necessarily the end game in a bisexual relationship. Yeah, and I, I, I just want to throw out there, I don't think it's an end game in a straight relationship or a gay relationship either. Uh, right, famously, right. I'm you know pilloried for yeah, suggesting yeah, yeah. that monogamy doesn't work for everyone. But, I, but, but I, you know, I want to bring it back to what this caller is saying. You know, she feels sure. guilty, yeah. obviously, uh, about this skepticism that she experiences, the, the, this wariness when she meets somebody who's bi. Clearly, she's reached a point in her life where she would not date somebody who's bi um, for fear of, you know, getting and her heart broken. I, as I, if, I, I and I want to throw this out, as if ladies, gay ladies, you haven't had your hearts broken by other gay ladies. But there is this right, sense, right. Uh, and she's articulating it. Uh, that in her experience, yes. bi women always end up going back to or partnering ultimately with men. True or not well, true? I, I, I think that there is some truth to that. I, 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 I think you would agree with me that it's, it's, you know, I don't think we can make sweeping generalizations about any of our sectors of the LGBT world. However, speak for yourself. I'm in the I, sweeping generalization business here, but please go ahead. <laughs> well, um, my, my, my honest feeling is that, you know, uh, bisexual folks have the great luxury of not needing to be monogamous because of their particular uh, sexual preferences. They like both. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the great joy of being bisexual. So if, men, if you're entering into a relationship with someone who's bisexual and the first thing on your mind is monogamy, I probably check that. <laughs> not, and you're not saying that, that. I'm trying to get you not glittered here now. You're not saying that because you believe that bisexuals are incapable of being monogamous. You just think that it's not the you know best expression of bisexual sexual identity or right, the right. superpower that bisexuals have is kind of limited by that. And maybe I you would be happier. You know, maybe. If you know this gay woman, uh, she didn't say she was interested in a monogamous relationship uh, in particular, or that was the problem. But you know, if somebody is in love with a bisexual person, they may be able to have a more successful relationship if they don't make monogamy uh, a central so. demand. I really believe that. I believe that with all of my heart. I think uh, to, to for a bisexual to express themselves 
um, you know, between birth and death, within that window, um, the full expression of bisexuality um, is going to be a little bit tough if you're 100% monogamous the whole time. I just think that's not the way this particular sexual preference is expressed. And, and so, yeah. Neil, uh, publishing's Bisexual yeah. Bad Boy, does somebody who's gay or lesbian... Uh, is it biphobic of them to weigh a potential romantic partner's bisexuality uh, against, you know, put it on the con list if what they want is a long-term committed monogamous relationship? Well, is it fair for them to say, well, this is something that I'm going to look at and think, eh, but maybe it's outweighed by other qualities, so I'm willing to roll right. with that? Is that biphobic well, I, or uh, is that just rational? I think it's a little bit of both, and I'll tell you this. I, don't, I do not believe that being leery of a bisexual person is biphobic. I really don't. I think that when, when where love is concerned and where hearts can be broken, I mean, that's a kind of pain that is worse than, uh, in some cases, losing a loved one. I mean, a broken heart is, is, is horrible. And I think that I think it's very wise for folks to, and not biphobic, I think it's just wisdom, um, historical wisdom. You know, I mean, I'm not necessarily into... Racial profiling, nor am I, nor am I uh, into uh, sexuality profiling. But at the same time, there are certain um, truths about bisexuality, and one of them is that this sexuality is expressed okay. when uh, both sexes are experienced. Now, maybe maybe that's over time, and 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 in, you know, not every single night, or who knows how it is expressed in each individual case. But it's incumbent upon both folks entering the relationship to be 100% honest and, 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 and communicative with each other about where they're at on that spectrum. Okay. Um, some, yeah, and that's what I truly believe. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm a 22-year-old bisexual male in the Midwest. Um, I'm calling because I've only recently become more comfortable with that matter after dealing with a ton of self-esteem issues. Um, at 14, I was sexually assaulted by a mentor, and after that, it took me a long time to be okay with who I am. My problem is with my current girlfriend. Uh, we've been together for about four months now, officially, and we dated casually for about a month before that. She's the first significant other I've ever felt fully comfortable sharing my sexuality with. But unfortunately, when I told her, she freaked out. It was a month into the relationship, and being very, very, very nervous, I initially brought it up via text. I was in, I was in no way trying to close the conversation off, and I told her, I wanted to talk about it in person. I just said I needed a way to get it out on the table initially so that I was comfortable with talking to her about it in person. Um, her first exact response was, I feel sick to my stomach because of you. And she proceeded to send me several different texts that were all pretty verbally abusive and called me and then proceeded to kind of do the same thing. Um, she just attacked me and kind of just made me feel really awful for saying anything to begin with. Um, we actually almost broke up that night, but she took time and decided she wanted to try to work things out. Um, for the first couple of weeks after that, she was pretty distant and, and cold, but I decided that, you know, it was partially my fault for not for not being open with her initially, I guess. She, she said she couldn't believe I told her in text, and when I tried to explain why I had such a hard time, she shut me down as being very immature. My first question involves that. I understand that texting isn't like being in person, but am I wrong for communicating in a way I felt comfortable? After that, our relationship has struggled back to its feet, but, but things don't feel quite the same. I don't think she's really okay with me being by. After our first conversation, there hasn't been any follow-up. 
She is hot and cold with me constantly. I feel like what I told her was a dirty secret, and we just swept it under the rug. She constantly fears me cheating on her because, for some reason, me being bi makes me potentially unloyal. She hasn't told me this, but I can feel it. She's uneasy about having sex, sex with me now, um, and a lot of other, in a lot of other ways, our, our relationship is very uncomfortable. But I, I won't keep listing stuff because I feel like it's unneeded. Um, I'm, am I clinging onto something that should be let go? Or was I really in the wrong for how the situation was handled and should I continue to work at our relationship? It seems to me that the girlfriend in this case is pretending to be mad uh, at this guy about um, how he told her he was bi. I think she's mad that he's bi. And no way. I, I do too. You know, he could have told her by carrier pigeon or Goodyear blimp or in person or with the Mormon tabernacle choir behind him, and she would still be angry because she doesn't yeah, want a bisexual think, boyfriend and he should break the fuck up with her. Exactly. I think he could have told her with a giant uh, diamond ring in his hand and, and she, you know, would have been uh, devastated. So, yeah. And I, some other I dudes come that. trickling out of his mouth. Just like that. Diamond ring come. Exactly. And she'd be upset. She yeah, doesn't. Exactly. She's not down with having a bi boyfriend. Is he? I hear about situations like this a lot, uh, particularly with bi yeah. guys who are interested in or attracted to a girl who happens to be straight, uh, and they, you know, unlike this guy who sounds like he's just coming into his bisexual identity and coming to grips with it, in yeah. part because of that sexual yeah. assault for which we feel terrible and uh, right. we extend our sympathies. Um, but you know, a lot of bi guys who are more comfortable with their bi identity already out to friends. Uh, write me and say that this is information that they have withheld. Now, what do they do? What's your advice well, I, to guys I, I, who are bi about dating women who are straight? You know, I'll tell you something. My my experience, and I, I would say, my, my friend, uh, keep coming out because you're going to get laid more times than you can count because you're bi, uh, and that's with women. The thing is that I've my experience, and 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 what I've also seen with a lot of the readers is that. Um, the more timidly folks come out, the, 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 the more they withhold their sexuality, the more experiences they find themselves in like this, because they're attracting people uh, essentially on false pretenses. I mean, I don't want to uh, uh, come down on this fellow uh, at all, because uh, you know, he's just you know, coming into his own, but I'll tell you something, um, bust the door down, come out, walk it, live it, love it, because... The more open, the more honest, the more confidence you have with what your sexuality is, whatever it ends up being, the more folks are going to be attracted to you. People are attracted. I did a study once when I was editor of Men's Fitness, and the um, it wasn't the abs, it wasn't the biceps, it wasn't, you know, it's not cock size. What it is that folks are most attracted to in other people is confidence. So you could probably, and I've had this in my own ex my own life. I mean, I decided one day to just be who I was, and uh, from a fairly young age. But I really never had this experience where some girl is devastated because, oh my God, he's going to buy sexual boyfriend. Um, I think confidence, confidence, confidence. Uh, you know, that's the advice I always give to kinksters. People can roll out their kink like it's leukemia and it's a problem yep. and it's a cancer diagnosis and it's a tragedy. Uh, and if they've withheld that information, uh, that person that they're telling is going to react like it's a tragedy. And it's like something terrible that's been done that. to them. There, there, there's a reason for that. And that is, I think, the human, the human mind senses when you, know, when you uh, eke out an admission. You know, it, it, people can sense when you're not comfortable with your own identity. And I think that's what, 
withholding information is all about. It's sort of you're not quite there yet yourself. When I believe that the more confident folks are about whatever they're into, especially their sexuality and especially bisexuality, uh, not only are you going to have fewer situations like this, but you're going to get laid more. And that's <laughs> so, caller, in future, don't uh, text your, your confession. You don't want to admit to people you're bi. You want to brag on it. You want to let them know going right. in that you're bi, and that's part of what makes you such a fun, exciting sex partner to be with. And then my, I think one of the best pieces of advice you can give anybody is to, uh, you know, use that little old phrase, wait, you're not bi? <laughs> Everybody's doing <laughs> it. I mean, you know. On to the next call. Hi, Dan. 28 years old, married, identifies bi. I have a question about being out. Um, I don't want to be one of those bag of flop closet cases that you you hate on sometimes and uh i'm out in the kink community but i'm not really out to anybody else and does that does that make me closeted i I don't really know you know neil as the spokesperson for all bisexual people everywhere for all times um i have an issue with this i get letters every day i got a letter today uh from a woman who is bi who isn't out to her family, isn't out to her friends, isn't out to her coworkers, doesn't see why she should have to be because she's in an opposite sex relationship. So no one needs to know or will ever find out that she sometimes has sex with women. Uh, so why should she tell? Why should she be open? And, you know, I've kind of famously wrote a, a piece a couple of years ago for The Stranger where I argued that I'm not biphobic. I love bi people. In fact, I love them so much I wish there were a lot more of them. And I was addressing people like that woman who are – Perceived to be heterosexual, allow that misperception to to continue. Uh, you know, often with you know, this woman cites her homophobic family and friends. They're anti-LGBT, uh, and so she figures she shouldn't come out because it would just create problems for her. Well, I think I disagree with that strategy in any situation, whether it's sexuality or, or other circumstances. I think, but but when it comes to sexuality. When it comes to the most intimate thing that human beings do uh, with their bodies, mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely critical that um, that that you come out, that you are open with your partner. I think uh, you know, th- and, and this is one of the things that I think it, it, this is absolutely uh, infuriates me because when uh, whether it's a gay man or a lesbian or a bisexual person. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I encourage coming out, but I think in a bisexual situation, I get quite infuriated by this because uh, this is in some ways one of the things that gives bisexuals kind of a bad rap. You have folks who hide behind a heterosexual uh, banner uh, when they're in the same se- uh, an opposite sex uh, relationship, and then they're sneaking off to do whatever they want to do um, because they're bisexual and they rather not disrupt their lives. Right, and they're you know I, they're closeted about it. And everybody I know closeted. who's gay or lesbian is, you know, frustrated and angry and not pleased with people who are gay or lesbian who are closeted, and we review them right. as part of the problem. But often, what I'm told when I call out bisexuals who allow themselves to fade away into perceived heterosexuality, and I say that's a closet and it's bullshit and you're part of the problem, I get, right. I get accused of being biphobic for saying that. Do gays and lesbians have as much a right to be annoyed at closeted bisexuals as we are at the Ted Haggards and Marcus Bachmans of the world? I think being upset with bisexual closeted folks has nothing to do with gays, 
disliking bisexual people. But I think it, I think the answer to why is twofold. First, um, out folks have who have been out for a little while understand the the myriad of of, of ways in which a, a life improves. Um, being closeted, you know, lends itself to uh, all kinds of problems, the substance abuse being one of them, and all kinds of uh, anxiety disorders. I mean, that's a fact. That's a fact. So there's that. There's that kind of ur- urgency and need. There's and a political for- dimension to it too, though, Neil. You know, nothing well, changes also- somebody. Nothing strips away a family or a voter's homophobia. Uh, and anti-LGBT positions faster than knowing someone who is LGBT. And there are so many people out there who know and love people who are bi but who are perceived to be straight and never get over their homophobia. And everybody in the LGBT community pays a political price for that. I think that's true. Now, uh, my, the first part of my answer was the, the sweeter, softer uh, answer. <laughs> but the second part of my answer is, for God's sakes, you know, uh, you know, join the fight. For Christ's sake. Thank you. Know. Thank you for saying Join that. So your advice to this fight, you know? this 28-year-old married to a lady, and, and you admit that most bisexuals wind up in opposite-sex long-term relationships, which can be about a lot of things. There's a lot more potential opposite-sex partners, blah, blah, Absolutely. blah. But most wind oh, up yeah. in – and that means that there's a special responsibility to be out. This 28-year-old bi guy absolutely. should be out not just to the kink community but to his family, his friends, oh, his absolutely. coworkers. I think I think um, when I you know my my feeling is you know being out to the king community is just as in my opinion you're closeted okay so my feeling is look I've been married to the same woman for twenty years uh, and I'll tell you uh, you know I go out of my way making sure people know that we're bi even during the years we're monogamous I mean I will go out of my way risking my job doing this you know I've been dragged to the goddamn pr- I don't care because. The reality is that uh, power in numbers and also power in perception, if you are this upstanding uh, man married to a woman and, you know, but you're bi, I say all the more reason to come out as bi and show folks what bi can be. Um, now, I'm not an upstanding person, and uh, I am bi, so I you know, probably should keep it a secret that I'm bi, but <laughs> the reality is uh, power numbers. Join the fight, for Christ's sake. Neil Bolton, former editor of Genre Magazine uh, and the founding uh, founder and editor of the Pansexual Sex and Relationships Magazine, BastardLife.com. Hey, Neil, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Dan. It's a pleasure. Talk to you soon. And we're going to leave it there. Thanks again to Neil Bolton. Please check out his site, BastardLife.com. And 206-201-2720, that is the number. Please call with your questions and your comments. If you want to leave a comment, make sure it goes up on a show. You can go to thestranger.com slash lovecast, where there's a comment thread dedicated to each and every show. I hope you're watching Savage You on MTV, Tuesday nights at 11 p.m. 206-201-2720, that's the number here at the podcast. Give us a call. Me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth and perhaps a howling, angry bisexual mob. We'll be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.